Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Hello, how are you all out there? Hope you are having a fantastic time of it. Welcome along to episode 27 of the Howie Games. Now, as I record this intro, the surf is absolutely firing in my neck of the woods. It's pumping, so it's apt. This week's guest is surf god Mick Fanning. Firstly, a bit of history for you. The date we go back to December 14, 2013. Mick Fanning is surfing at the world's most famous wave, Banzai Pipeline, aka Pipe, needing to win a quarterfinal to claim a third world crown and deny the king, Kelly Slater, a 12th title. Fanning looked gone. He looked shot dead in the water. With just seconds on the clock, our man needed an almost impossible score of 9.57 out of 10. Then, from nowhere, the surf god smiled on him a wave appeared. Big roll in. Fanny grabs rail. Nice section. It's peeling off. Pipe stuff. He comes wow. up and claims it. 9.7. Your world champion, Nick Fanny for 2013. I, I couldn't figure out, like, if it was going to happen or where it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm glad it happened that way. It just sort of makes a better story for all you guys. <laughs> they could help out if they try, try, try. If they would try, try, try. I first had the pleasure of interviewing Mick at Joanna Beach in 2003, which we do discuss in this ep. He was 21 at the time, and in every dealing with him since, I've found Mick to be as good a bloke as he is surfer, and that's saying something. On his journey, Mick's faced more hardship than most of us, the loss of family members, horrific injury, and famously, really famously now, a shark attack at Jeffreys Bay in South Africa in 2014. As you look at Fanning on the rankings... Oh, I can see a little splash. Oh. Holy shit. Excuse me. Yeah, if that wasn't enough, just a couple of weeks ago, again at J-Bay, surfing in a quarterfinal against old mate Funky Cold Gabriel Medina, another shark appeared, causing both surfers to be plucked from the water as the heat was put on hold. Eventually they did send them back out there after the shark in theory was gone. But anyway, this audio, courtesy of the World Surf League. Yeah, I, I, saw, the, I saw the ski come in um, close to us and I looked at the ski and I was like, oh, you know, What's going on? And the guy's like, hold, hold. Wow, I haven't even seen this footage yet. Look at that thing. Oh, wowzers. Um, yeah, I'm glad they got us out of the water. In February 2016, Mick announced he was taking the majority of the 2016 World Surf League off. That's it. He was taking a break. This year, I'm sort of... I, I'm going to take some time off and, and just sort of regroup and, and restoke the fire. This episode was recorded with Mick in April 2017 in Torquay, Victoria, where he was preparing for the Rip Curl Pro at the famed Bells Beach after his year away. Now, let's be honest here for a moment. Many of us over the years have dreamed about taking a year off work. Some good, enlightened folk have actually had the courage to make the leap of faith. I'm trying to build up that courage at the moment. I can picture it now. The combi, the boards, Erica, the pickle, the big penguin, the world. Yeah, it sounds good. Sunsets, adventures, no schedule, nothing but good times. So, as a result of all that and Mick taking a year off, this episode, it's not about the life and times of Mick Fanning, but rather what Mick Fanning did on his year off and how it changed his life. Enjoy it. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion Mick Fanning, welcome to the Howie Games, great to see you mate Yeah Howie, how are you mate? Great to see you, listen, in the past we've uh, 
Well, we've done some pretty sort of heavy style discussions, <laughs> yeah. which I'm really looking forward to this one because it's not. It's just basically, uh, from what I can gather, you took a year off surfing to go surfing, mm-hmm. which is yeah. pretty cool. So I thought we might have a chat about that year. Yeah, mate. cool. So I, I guess um, it was well, it was February 2016 when the world became aware that you were going to have a bit of a spell and only compete in certain events. What led up to that, mate? What, what led to you thinking, I just need to step back from this for a bit? Um, it was a few things, actually. I sort of made a decision um, in, oh, it would have been like halfway through 2014. Right. I, I was like, I need, I need a break. Like, um, you know, I'd been in world title races and... Um, and just was just just the you know the stress of it all you know you you wake up pretty much every day with anxiety worrying about okay I'm going to go through this next season my body ride board ride like it just just was sort of wasn't f- becoming fun um, and um, so I was sort of building up to that and then you know after 2015 um, you know big year um, but. Yeah, I sort of, I finally, uh, uh, I should take it back a little yeah. bit. I always was scared to do that. Mm-hmm. I was actually scared to take a year off, you know. I always had this, oh, what about this, what about that, um, you know, what will sponsors think and this and that. So I was always really reluctant. Um, and I had had chats with, um, you know, different bosses and um, before that, and they're like, look, if you want to, you're more than welcome, but... Um, you know, it was never, it was sort of just hearsay. Um, and then, yeah, after I got home in, um, I got home in January of, uh, 2016 and, um, I, yeah, I was just, just needed to break the mould a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I sat down with, um, I actually came down to, to, Torquay and sat down with um, my boss at Ripco, Neil Ridgeway, and um, we had a really good chat, a long chat about it, and um, just tried to forge out a plan. And from there, that's where the decision was made. Um, and um, I sort of had two plans actually going on. I, I mm. sort of had a, a plan A was to do what I, I did do. Um, but then I had a plan B in case I really started enjoying competing again. Um, and you know, that was a, a, a different thing, you know, it was pretty much just go back on tour. But, um, yeah, once I, once I sort of started thinking about plan A and thinking about all the different things that I could do, um, yeah, my my brain just went that way. <laughs> it's it's funny, mate, because often these these Howie games we start from the start. So you know, with you, it'll be what's your first memory of a way. But because we've done that before yeah. in in a different forum, I sort of hope this can be a bit of a discussion because so many people want to do that, and they'll mm. say, oh, you know, it's easy for Mick Fanning to do it or whatever. But the the people listen to this, and I did one of these with Trevor Hendy, and he talked about his old man was a, a white picket fence, hard working, pay the mortgage, and one day he came home in northern Melbourne and said, mm-hmm. right, we're going to take a year off and we're going to go in our van. And Trevor said that's what set him up for life. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you found difficult leading into it to say, righto, this is going to make it really hard or in my head this is going to stop me doing it because I reckon so many punters want to do that. Just oh, for sure. Light up the car and say bugger off work and just go cruising. Yeah, there was a lot of things actually. Um, 
you know, for, for, for me, um, a lot of my major contracts were up at the end of 2016. Um, so that's a money thing, which we all face. Yeah, exactly. If I quit now, what happens when I come yeah, back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. You know, um, so that was that was one. I was like, do I need to perform on tour to, you know, keep my contracts at the level they are? Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of it was, um, you know, I had in my, in my inner circle, there was um, a lot of people umming and ahhing about it. Um, you know, some of them were like, why can't you keep going? The other people were mm. like, well, yeah, go for it, you know. Um, so that was another thing. A, a, a lot of people that I actually really respect and admire. Um, so that was hard too. And and then there's just that, um, there's that personal fear of um, will I enjoy doing, mm. taking a year off? Will I get bored? Will I... Uh, will I miss my job or, you mm. know, because i got a pretty damn good job. You do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty tough to argue with your job. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah, once I once I sort of started thinking about it more and started, um, like even even just going on trips to to different places, that was that was big for me too. It was like, well, oh, you know, I had no control of it mm. and that, you know, being a – being an athlete, you want to try and control everything you possibly can. But um, this time I actually just became the passenger on, on a lot of these trips, which was uh, – it was really different, but um, it really opened my eyes. And we'll get to those trips because some you had a great year and that's really what I want to get stuck into. But, did, mate, did you need to get away physically? Did you need to get away mentally? Obviously a, a lot happened, which we don't need to go into, That the one that, you know – people will think, bloody, you got attacked by a shark. It's funny that <laughs> yeah, now because yeah. within sport, you're known as a triple world champion. Now within the world, when the people think Mick Fanning, yeah. they think got attacked by a shark. Which shark is, bait. Yeah, it, <laughs> which is bizarre, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I guess that people can relate to that a lot more. Yeah, um, yeah they can. Yeah, which, you know, they're Whatever, I'm I'm not too fast. <laughs> so, so what was it? Was it a, was it a? I just need a spell from competition, or um, or a, a physical spell, or is there other things out there? Yeah, no, it was just a mental thing. You know, right. I got to the end of um, 2015, and I was I was totally empty. I had I had nothing to give to to anyone. Mm. Um, you know, I always sort of feel like I can I can give a lot back, or you know, even even um, you know, I was just had no motivation whatsoever. You know, to surf, yeah, right. Um, and so that was that was a that was a big thing. You know, I I I always, um, you know, I felt like if I did another year on tour full out, mm. I would have got to the end of the year and absolutely hated it. And um, that's one thing I never wanted to do is is hate the tour. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've got so much out of yeah. what I've done, and um, so yeah, that was that was something that I really just went okay. You've just got to take a break, and you've got to, you know, refill the the energy levels and the stoke levels <laughs> um, just in myself. And uh, so yeah, that was that was the the sole purpose for it all. So when you made that decision and everyone said, oh, it's all right, you were going to compete in, what did you do, five, five, five events? events. Yeah. When you actually made that decision in your mind, how did you feel then? Oh, it was amazing. Was it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, so I'm quitting my job. Yeah. Oh, we might quit halfway this interview and load up the combi van. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was 
because I'd been thinking about it for a long time, mm. um, I sort of had this big weight on my shoulders and it just, just all lifted off. Um, you know, I, I, I remember walking out of Rip Curl and just going, oh, that feels so good. Mm. Um, still didn't know exactly what I was doing, but at least I had, you know, the support um, there. Uh, and then... And then from there, I rang um, the CEO at the time of the WSL, um, Paul Speaker, and um, I, I spoke to him at length about it and um, he was really supportive as well. And so that was another thing where I was like, oh, okay, that, yeah, look, the, the, the main factors in this sort of, into this year are all really supportive. So um, I guess that's a sign. Yeah. You know? So so why why the five events for those that are out there that don't understand the way it works? Why did you not just say, I'm done full stop? You won't um, see me for a year. Yeah, look, I would have loved to. I would have loved right. to do a whole year out. Um, but uh, two of my closest friends, B. Durbage, um, broke his pelvis uh, at Pipeline, um, and, you know, had to get 17-inch rod through his pelvis. So he got injured and then Owen Wright mm. had the uh, the really big uh, head injury, um, brain trauma. Um, and with the with the, the WSL, they give out two uh, injury wild cards or wild cards throughout the year. And, yep. and um, I, because I didn't know if I was going to come back or not, I didn't feel right about asking WSL to take one of those wild cards when I know those guys couldn't have competed. Right. So that's why I did the five events, just to make sure I, I qualified and, and uh, yeah, wanted to move forward from there. That's a pretty selfless decision. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Um, look, as I said, I, you know, I could have got to event two yep. this year and quit. And those guys would be sitting at home going, thanks, you know. Good on so you, I Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like I didn't want to I didn't want to have that burden on myself. Right. Um, so yeah. And um and then the events that I picked were my favourite anyway. Yep. So it's As all good. <laughs> so okay, you sit there, you know your events. Again, I'm fascinated by this year off. You look at your calendar, when do you start thinking, oh, what am I gonna do? Um, do you actually sit there and try and Plan it out, being the planning type of operator that you are. Yeah, look, um, the first the first one we did, um, we actually planned it in December the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of just like we were trying to figure out how we we're doing it, but that was to go to Alaska, and we did a surf trip um, with Rip Curl up in Alaska, and um, and yeah, that was the first one, um, and because I knew I knew. I wasn't going to go back to um, Margaret River that year. Yeah. Um, that that was the time to do it. And um, and then just the planning and everything. Um, once I decided, okay, I'm going to take the year off, I didn't want to be in Australia. I didn't want to be anywhere where there was cameras or internet or anything like that when the first right. event that I left had been on. So, um, yeah, I pretty much went to the... Fell off the face of the earth for a couple of weeks, which was awesome. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about falling off the face of the earth. Was it firstly was it bizarre in that all of a sudden, you know, you're a high profile operator. There's Instagram, there's Twitter, there's Facebook, there's mobiles. What was it like to just say, right, I'm out of that? Well, we sort of had no choice. Um, we jumped on a boat. Um, Whereabouts? In uh, Seward. Right, which uh, is where? Which is about two hours 
away from Anchorage. I think it's two hours west of Anchorage. So this is the coming off the tail end of the Alaskan winter now? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's still freezing. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we jumped on a boat and we got about probably 10 minutes out of port and everything just shut down. Right. No phones, no internet, nothing. Um, so it was, you know, you had no choice. It was Weird, it was awesome. cool. It was awesome. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, you know, we... We were on a, a small boat, and um, it was it was uh, it was pretty hardcore, but it was fun. Um, but yeah, we we're all engaged with each other. That was it, you know. Whatever whatever communication we had was just on the boat. No one else. So which is was, what life was only fifteen years ago. Oh, fully, yeah, fully, yeah, um, and yeah, it was, it was funny, and it, it's weird too when you when you when you disappear for like a couple of weeks and then you come back and you're thinking, oh, I wonder what's going on in the world. Hopefully nothing's gone. Mm. And um, you get back and you've got like two messages and you're just like, is this a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing? <laughs> Maybe I have fallen off the face of the earth. But it was, it was um, yeah, it was really, really awesome. So tell us about the trip. Tell us about surfing and exploring in Alaska because uh, talking to a few people with a man looks after you, Ronnie Blakey, he told me there was camping, there was hunting for berries. Yeah, and all, oh, that, was, that, was, that was the second time I went. Right. Um, yeah, that was a different trip. Uh, the first time we went, um, we were just trying to find surf spots. That's when I went and... Um, surf the the glacier with Mason Ho and Mason Ho was the perfect person too at the time you know I was pretty highly strung and stressed and and Mason is totally opposite he's just full of fun and just you know looks at the world uh, through rose coloured glasses he's uh, such a good dude and um, so tell us about surfing a glacier what do you mean yeah that was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done Um, (laughs) you know it it was just we, we pulled up to this glacier in the boat and the and the ice would just fall into the ocean and then create these swells. And really? it would just bend around these, these yeah, bend around this land. And um, I didn't want to do it. But Mason was so, you know, so going home about it. I was like, oh, well, I better go and do it. But like there's microwave size, oven size, like ice blocks. Yep. Like icebergs, and you're hitting them, and they hurt so bad. You know, I, I know what it's like for a uh, you, you, a b-ball in an esky now. How, how do you mean you're hitting them? Well, you the the ocean is just full, right? Full of it. The waves you're surfing yeah, are full of you're full of icebergs. Like you couldn't even of paddle. You know, microwaves. Yeah, you're paddling right. over like <laughs> icebergs, and it hurt. It like you know. It was Mason's jumping off icebergs to jump into waves, and it was just uh, yeah, it was pretty wild, and but it was fun too. Like we were just sitting on the beach, um, and we put in uh, you know some Bloody Mary mix, and you know <laughs> had a little nice. sitting there waiting, drinking Bloody Marys while we're waiting for these glaciers uh, to fall in. It was pretty awesome. How, what type of weather are we talking? Uh, so it, it was, we got pretty lucky that day. It was pretty nice and warm for up there. It was about 10 degrees. 10 degrees. Um, yeah. And in the water? Water w- would have been like zero. Right. Yeah, because it's full of ice, you know. It's like yeah. being in an esky pretty much. And for the surfers out there, so what type of, what are you there wearing? No surfers. Well, but, but, but what are you wearing? Uh, we had um, five, mil, five mil boots, gloves, hood, uh, suits. Right. Yeah. 
So, yeah, everything was pretty much covered up. Hey, on the Howie Games, my kids always ask a couple of questions right yep. at the end, but uh, the first question is relevant right here, so I'm going to go away from tradition and do what we normally do here. Um, frequent listeners know uh, my son operates as the big penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've met him before, actually. Mm-hmm. So this normally happens at the end, but I'm going to roll this question in right now for you. Hi, Fano, big penguin here. I do, uh, when I get cold in my wetsuit, I do a wish in my wetsuit. When you were in Alaska, did you do wheeze in your wetsuit? <laughs> really salient question, yeah, I reckon, at this yeah, point of the interview. It's perfect. Um, big penguin, of course. <laughs> well, mate, when it's zero and you need to warm up a touch. you got to get something going. He'll be stoked with that answer. Yeah. He'll be stoked with that answer. So uh, Alaska as a place, when you're sitting out there and how long before the stress of life washes off Mick Fanning and he becomes a bit more like Mason Ho? Uh, it probably took me... Probably about four or five days. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, as I said, I, I try and control things. Mm. And, uh, but this time I just, yeah, I was just the passenger in the back seat and just, um, and it was hard, you know, like people were talking about, oh, we'll go surf this wave, we'll go surf this wave. And normally I throw in my two cents and I was like, oh, hold back, just let them do it. You know, yep. you don't know anything about this place. Mm. You don't know swirls or whatever. And it was, it was, it was good. It was, um, yeah, I, I was just uh, just observing, really, which which was really cool. And as a sort of travel log style question, is there many surfers up there? Is there, is there decent waves to be had in Alaska? There was there was some there was some fun waves. Yeah, yeah, there, right. Um, yeah, like I, I was surprised. Um, and then for surfers, yeah, there's a few surfers up there too. What type of dudes are they? Mad dogs. <laughs> they would have to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, like our captain of our boat, Mike, he was, uh, he's like 60 and he was always the first one off the boat, ready in his wetsuit, just frothing just really? to go surfing. So, um, you know, he was inspirational for getting us out there as well. So it was it was really cool. You went up there a second time though, as you mentioned. That, is that with Wild Ark? Yeah, yeah. So a conservation group that I work with, Wild Ark. Yep. Um, we went up and um, we went to Alaskan uh, Sportsman's Lodge. It's a, it's a fishing lodge. Um, and we just sort of based out of there. Um, but the main goal was to go and um, check out this land where um, a, the large they want to build the largest open coal mine. Right. Um, and the area, we went and camped out on the area and, um, and you know, there's bear poo everywhere. There's wolves. There's, you know, um, as you said before, there's berries. Like there's ber- blueberries all across the ground. You can just pick up a handful wow. and, then, and then there's this river with so much salmon and um, rainbow trout. Like <laughs> the bears would just, you know, it's like walking into the sushi train or something. You know? <laughs> so you saw the bears? Yeah, yeah. We got real close to right. the bears. It was um, magical and um, oh, that, I- that was a good trip too because that was, that was straight after my last event for the year. Right. So, um, yeah, it was you know, I already knew how to turn off. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. that was that was good. And to um, go up with one of my best mates, Ronnie, um, was was definitely fun. So when you're coming and going at this stage, you, you the stress is washing off you, you're doing what we talked about, about going away from work, then what's it like when you come back to work? So 
you surfed the Australian legs and then was the next leg Jay Bay that you surfed? Yeah. Um, so I did I did um, the Gold Coast, Bells, and then I did uh, Fiji, which was all-time. Taj Barrows retired oh, okay. there. And, uh, so that was classic. How, how do the surfers, elite athletes that they are, celebrate a bloke like Taj Barrow winding up? Well, we got lucky because we had a week off <laughs> halfway through the period. So, uh, yeah, we uh, sort of lit the bar up. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Um, we got amazing waves too, so it was even better. Um, and then from there, um, yeah, J-Bay was next. So, so how do you prepare for that? Because you're going from... As you say, not wanting to be around when the events are on, you're in Alaska, and it's always was going to be the biggest story of the year. And mm. you would have hated that fact, yeah. but the biggest story of the year was the fact you were coming back to J Bay a year after you had the run in with the shark. Yeah, look. Um, and you stuffed your ankle in the lead up. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it was I, was, I was pretty nervous. I was sort of, um, as you said, I, I'm sort of not the guy who goes and seeks out media or anything like that. Um, So I was really sceptical about going to do it, but, you know, I didn't know exactly how big they were going to blow it up. But the WSL were incredible. Um, You know, they they had a handle on the whole thing and did, um, you know, really sort of looked after me in that point. And for me, I just pretty much went surfing. Um, I went there early and (laughs) blew my ankle Mm -hmm. out. second day which um yeah at that stage too i didn't know if i was even going to be able to surf the event i was 10 days out and um at first the doctors told me i had a uh, a grade four high ankle sprain which uh is to put in layman's terms it's pretty much like snapping the ligament right uh, i think there was just the tiniest little bit of strand on and so that at first the doctor's like you might as well book a flight and go home really? uh, for surgery. And I was like, oh, no, okay. Um, and then I went and saw a physio um, and she she was like, look, everything around it is holding up. So let's just let's just do 10 days of rehab and, and see how you go. And, um, and then, yeah, so she worked on it every single day. And then, um, yeah, my... The guy that I usually use at home, Chris Prosser, was actually working on the event as well, and pretty much just made the ankle not move. <laughs> it was just right, yeah, but still hurt. Um, you know, every turn hurt, but um, because I was just determined to put that, you know, the shark incident behind me, mm. I um, just pushed on through. The shark incident, as you mentioned, so you first surfed back at J Bay. It was prior to the event, which, was, as you say, is 10 days prior. It's clever before everyone gets there. Yeah, yeah. Just get there. Did, did, you, did you freak out, mate, or not? No, not really. Um, like, I, I walked up, like, when we first got there the morning of, we thought there were going to be waves, but there wasn't that day. And um, so rocked up and went, went and looked at the wave and, and everything. And I had, a, I had a few emotions come up. Um, it was more... Just, you know, just sort of a little bit of flashback sort of stuff, but a little bit of anxiety. Um, there probably could have been too much coffee in the morning. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and because the waves weren't that great, I was like, oh, I'll just wait. And um, the guys who I was with, um, I had two really good friends in Corey Wilson and another South African friend, Paul Daniel there, and they were there to document it. Um, I felt like 
they were getting more nervous throughout the day. Um, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to run out. And mm. I think they were more worried for me. And then I was just like, I could just feel all the tension building in the house. So I was just like, let's just go, we're going. And, um, and so uh, stretched up, ran out. And um, yeah, after the first wave, it was pretty much fine. Um, the waves were pretty bad. Um, and so I caught a couple of waves on my normal board and then I was like, you know what, this this isn't really happening. So I ran home and, and grabbed my little twin fin <laughs> and um, went and had a ball of a surf and that was it. So prior to that, again, from, from the non-surfing fraternity, mate, from the average person on the street, that whenever you say you surf, they say to you, oh, aren't you afraid of the sharks? That's what, <laughs> that's what you hear, whether it's you that is the three-time world champion or me that's an absolute kook, but my mate said to me, aren't you worried about the sharks? Did you have any, like the time after it, before you went back surfing again, I don't know. Like you see it on the news, old mate from Ballina and he, he has yeah. a near one with a shark and he says, I'll be back out in the water tomorrow. Well, what's it actually like when, it, when it's you? Because you've seen it on the news a million times. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, to, be, to be totally honest, um, you know, when I first started getting back in after, um, after the incident, I, um, there, were, there were times where it would, you know, I'd just hear a little splash and I'd freak out, you mm. know. And, mm. um, yeah, and I... You know, I spoke to some different friends and um, who'd sort of been in similar situations, but totally different. Um, and they're just like, "Look, it, you're always going to be, you're always going to have that in the back of your mind. You're always going to have that edge." And um, a lot of it for me now is I actually see a lot more wildlife in the water, like where before I was just like, "Where's the next wave? I'm doing that," you know, right. just. Just so blindsided, you yep. know, I was like a horse with the, with the, <laughs> the blinkers on. Yeah, and uh, so now it's I I'm, I see everything that's going on, and well, I you're see more aware of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and um, so have you seen sharks in the water since? Yeah, fully. Oh. I had a couple of incidents like straight after. Did you? Yeah, straight after J Bay, like in uh, Tahiti, there was a a little reef shark sort of circling around <sighs> in the channel, and and like. Everyone's blaming on me, of course. Um, and then... <laughs> the shark whisperer. Yeah. And then there was another incident um, at Trestles where I, I just saw the tail of a shark and um, I was like, there was water photographers that I was yelled out to. I was like, be careful, I just saw something. And and then all of a sudden this seal pops up with mm. a sand shark in its mouth, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, look, I see those things and... Um, but yeah, look, it it it's just part of the course, you know. Yeah. Like how many times have you walked across the street and almost got hit? You know, you're not going to you're going to be more wary next time. But um, yeah, it shouldn't shouldn't cripple you into the fact that you can't go and walk the street. Yeah, it's it's funny. All all my mates down here, they're all surf as bad as me. You know, they see sharks where we are at thirteenth, and mm-hmm. we go and surf the next day. But we're all the same in that if there's sharks around. We'd never let our kids go in the next day. Yeah, right. which is you know we're happy to go out there thinking well you're not going to get hit by a bus, but none of us are then prepared to put our kids out. Yeah. in that situation. Yeah, look, I, I think that's probably just the protector. Yeah, you yeah, know. of course. I don't is. have kids. Yeah, but, you know, I wouldn't let my dog out. No, <laughs> no, no. Hey, dude, Big Penguin here. How's it hanging? Okay, social media freaks, please pay attention. Don't forget to subscribe by our podcast. The Howie Games on iTunes.
or download the Podcast One app. You can follow us on Facebook. What's Facebook, Pickle? I'm not exactly sure, Penguin. And Twitter at MarkHoward03. Plus, give us a review on iTunes. Please do it. And this will make us famous. More famous than Bieber, Pickle? Maybe not more famous than Bieber. Who's Bieber? Don't know. Anyway, thanks to everyone for sending us messages about where they are listening and what they're doing. We said we would say some hellos, so hello to Adam. Adam emailed us at thehowiegames at helpmail.com. Old mate Adam told us he was working in a mine and was listening to the Howie Games in Zimbabwe. How cool is that? Rad dude. Where's Zimbabwe? Pickle. Um, near the United Kingdom? <laughs> Asia somewhere? <laughs> Sri Lanka? Um, probably near Bali. South Africa? Closest guess yet. Alright, thank you, you two clowns. Now, if you missed last week's episode of the Howie Games, you missed Tour de France winner Cadell Evans, who adopted his son from Ethiopia. And, and basically we walked into this care centre which is run by the Swiss Adoption Organisation Mano, Mano Nella Mano is hand in hand and they go in and there's 10 kids and they say oh here he is and, and that's when you meet him and you hold him in your hands for the first time and that's a pretty amazing What's that moment like? <laughs> absolutely incredible That's Tour de France winner Cadell Evans last week on the Howie Games Now Okay, more of Mighty McFanning so, mate, J-Bay itself, it was um, to, to win that event, I remember talking to you probably um, at the start of Bells, so a year ago because we're, mm. we're at Bells now and you said, oh, you know, you felt at that stage that you did want to go back to J-Bay because you wanted to sort of almost repay the people. You didn't want mm-hmm. them to be seen as the place where you got bit by that shark or nearly bit by the shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was pretty much it. I, I, I've had so many amazing... Um, experiences there that I felt like, um, you know, when it all sort of happened, a lot of the people in, in J-Bay were sort of like, oh, are you guys going to come back or whatever? Mm. And I remember sitting down in a surfers meeting and, and you know, they asked us, um, you know, do you want to go back? And I was like, I was the first one. I said, I'm going back with or without you guys. Right. So, um, and then everyone's like, okay. <laughs> they probably looked at me knowing I'm weird, probably mm. looked at me. <laughs> Even weirder. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just it was just something I had to do. For, for me personally too, I felt like I had – it was a goal that I wanted to achieve as well. Um, you know, I, I felt like I had unfinished business there. And um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. And to win it? Um, yeah, look, I, I, I didn't – didn't dream I was gonna win it. It was more about just just going there and just creating a, a, a happy experience again. Yeah. Um, and then to come out with the win was, um, you know, that was for me personally. I think it was um, one of the most fulfilling wins I've ever had. You know, I got home and had a quiet moment, and I was, you know, sort of. Was really proud of myself. Yeah, right. And you beat. What were you proud of? Um, just being able to. To. I guess dis 
disengage from everything external and just concentrate on on what I wanted to do. Um, you know, that's always been a thing that I've always tried to do and tried mm. to pride myself in. And then so, yeah, to be able to block everything else out and just go forward was pretty amazing. You beat John John in the final, was it? Did you beat? Wilson, did you beat Julian in the yeah, semi? Yeah, Julian and I had a, a, a semi together, which was, um, yeah, I was thinking, you know, it's just fate, you know, sort of. Yeah, as a, for those yeah. that don't follow surfing closely, obviously this is the, the guy that came to your rescue, for want of a better term, a year yeah, before with yeah. the shark attack. Yeah, what a legend. Yeah, what uh, a legend, <laughs> mate. Um, uh, yeah, so, and, and, you know, we paddled out. It was only small that day, but it the way that the the heat first played out, he caught the first wave again and, and left me out the back again. I was like, oh, no, no, no. And I pretty much got up from where I was and just paddled straight down the point because I wasn't sitting there again. <laughs> hey, do, can you, do, like, do you say thank you to a bloke that, that's done that for you? Like, oh, for uh, sure. Is thank you enough? Like, what do you say? And how does it, What's the relationship with you two now that you've been through a it's a traumatic event together, I guess. Yeah, we um we're we're close, um, you know, and uh but yeah, you you say thanks, you know, and, and I thanks guess Thanks for what? Thanks for paddling over, thanks for helping me. Well just even just thanks for caring. Right. You know. Right. Um and like he didn't even think twice about it. He's just there, but um yeah, he you know, I guess I guess Hopefully one day I can I can repay the favour and hopefully in a different way. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty hard favour to repay. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But you know he he knows that I'm always there for him and always you know if he ever needs anything I'm always there. So yeah. Well, let's go back to uh, travelling the world with Mick Fanning. Yeah, um, <laughs> the fun stuff. Yeah. The, uh, so you went up to Scandinavia and mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a photo and people who just need to type in Mick Fanning Northern Lights and it. It's a stunning photo, mate. Like I, I don't know if you've got photos up around of yourself surfing at home, but if there was one that I would have, that that, that would be it. Tell us about that for an adventure. Again, you could have been surfing anywhere in your freaking boardies and you're in a massive wetsuit and it's snowing. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Look, when I when I when I decided that I was going to, you know, take time off, I, I really wanted to put myself in place I'd never been before, and mm. and I sort of had a, a mini bucket list. Um, well, pretty huge bucket list actually. Yeah, and, it's not um, sounding too mini. <laughs> nah, and um, the to see the Northern Lights was a big one on there. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought I was just going to go and stay in a hotel and just walk out when the Northern Lights happened, and um, and then um, you know, talking to Red Bull throughout the year, they're like, "Is there anything you want to do?" And I was, I just told them like, "These are the different things that I want to do. These are on my bucket list. Have you guys come up with?" with anything, um, you know, just, just let me know. I'm, I'm pretty open to do yep. whatever. And, um, and then an email came through saying, uh, from guys, uh, Mats and Emil who, who organized the whole thing. Um, they were like, all right, they just sort of, they just threw it out there. It was like, do you reckon Mick would be into coming and surfing under the Northern Lights? And I got the... Like my team manager, Red Bull, goes like, oh, what do you think? And before, like, before it even fully downloaded, I was already writing back, yes, let's go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, and so that was really cool. It was, uh, 
And then I started thinking about it and there were so many different elements that had to come together for that trip, for that, you know. Number one, we needed the lights to be there when when it was clear. And and is that a frequent occurrence? I've never been um, up there. Is it sort of, do you need certain atmospheric conditions or? Yeah, look, I guess there's, um, I guess there's, uh, you know, you can sort it's sort of like a weather system. Right. So some days it's really bright, some days you've got nothing. Yep. Um, so it, it all just sort of, it's sort of like a circle that sort of pretty much goes around the, the North Pole. Right. Um, there is one in the South Pole as well that I think, I saw a thing that it came from Melbourne. Right. Yeah, uh, you could uh, see it. Aurora. Aurora Spiralis. Aurora, yeah. yeah, right. Um, but, um, yeah, so first you need the lights, then you need clear weather, and then you need waves. So trying to get all those <laughs> yeah. things together was, um, I was thinking, oh, this probably won't even happen. Um, and sure enough, first night, amazing lights, clear weather, no waves. Right. Um, and then, and then the next night we got so lucky, and those those waves, it all came together. And paddled out about um, twelve a.m. Right. Um, you had, like, was that with you with a torch in your hand? Or yeah, you had torches. Um, I wanted to do it without the torch, but the guys on the beach couldn't see me. Right. So they wanted me to have Tough the torch. Photo. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was. And then there was um, Mats, who was one of the the brainchilds behind it all. He was in the water with a flash as well. Right. So, you know, you get the flash there and then the flashes on the beach. But, yeah, you know, trying to scale across the rocks in the dark. and How do you surf in the dark? Um, it's pretty easy. Like, you know, when you're walking in, in yep. the night, your eyes adjust. So yep. you, you see a fair bit. Um, and, yeah, you just try not to focus on any bright lights. Um, but, yeah, because I had the torch on, I kept... Copping it in the eye yeah. just before I stood up, so I was sort of like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> Couldn't really see too much, but um, yeah, it's just for me to be out in the water and, and just watching the the northern lights just dance across the dance across the sky. It was just incredible. It's like the the wind. You can see the wind. That's what it's like, wow. and it just dances like it's it's so beautiful. And I was just out there screaming like. I was copying waves on the head because I was just like focused on the on the night sky and um, yeah, it was just such a magical experience. And you know, to to put it in perspective of how it all came together, you know, day one we had I explained that. Day two we had the thing. Day three was snowing. Wow! And we had bad weather for the rest of the trip. So we got so lucky that right. it all came together. It was uh, yeah, but a magical experience. The other trip that you did, that you much talked about, before we get into it, uh, again, uh, type in Mick Fanning, what, what, what uh, the famous right-hander. Oh, the, the, I don't know what it's called. The snake? Yeah, the snake. Type <laughs> yeah. in Mick Fanning, the snake. And for those that don't follow surfing closely, Mick found himself in a mystery wave somewhere that was mind-blowing and blew the entire surf community's mind. Before you actually tell us where that was, Mick, <laughs> how many will. people have asked you, do you reckon, oh, since that? Where's the snake? Every, everyone. <laughs> anyone. Uh, I was getting messages from people I hadn't spoken to in like five years and they were like, where's this wave? And I was like, love to tell you, but I can't. So this is a wave that in theory only four people, I think Rip Curl said, maybe four people have surfed before is what I think I they were talking about. That's many, yeah. Um, I just got um, a friend showed me um, and I just went with 
that person. Right. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. That's all I know of. The, the, the vision of you standing on the beach in the dark, you're like a kid going for the first ever surf. Oh, like, yeah. If you're talking about wanting to get back and release yourself from the world of competitive surfing, I, I watched that video this morning and that to me was, well, maybe he's found what he's after at this point. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, you know, it was... I guess I got shown just a photo and it was, I sort of, I took that to Rip Curl and said, can we please go? <laughs> and, How good a Rip Curl, yeah. by the way. Yeah, no worries, Mick. Yeah, um, and I'm thankful that they put a lot of trust in me and then they put a lot of trust in the in the person that took us. Um and like I didn't even know where it was. I, I you know I had to sign non-disclosure agreements and right. Um, you know just so I don't tell anyone. Yep. So if people keep asking me now. You know why I can't tell you. Um, and um, and it wasn't until it wasn't until uh, everything was signed. There was money in the bank that. They finally said, "All right, you've got a day to book your flights. You got to get to this place." I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know. How's the excitement levels at this? Oh, stage? it was wild. Like <laughs> even my roommates, like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "I don't know." You know, I really don't know. And um, so, did you know where it was at this point or not? I didn't. Right? No. Do you even know what continent it was on? Uh, and I'm not going to ask you specifically. No, but, like, did I, I you got. Know what I got told. I got told the name of the of the place I had to fly into. Right. And I had to Google it. Really? I didn't know where the hell we were going. Um, and then, yeah, once I found, once we even landed yep. at the, in the in the city, I still didn't know where we were going. Right. Yeah. And then so you get picked up and driven to get where you're going? picked up, yeah. And what happens? And then uh, we got there <laughs> and uh, sat around for a day. Yep. Because we thought there was going to be waves the day before. and was nothing? Nothing. Flat? Yeah. And I'm there and just going, oh, no. <laughs> and the guy who's brought me, he's stressing out too because, you know, we've got yep. big boss of Ripco <laughs> right there. Standing. He's like, this way better come on, you know. <laughs> you uh, folks are taking yeah. a goose chase on our wedge. And then so we, you know, we played in the ocean and, you know, we were doing all kinds of wave dances and, and, then, and then the next morning that's when you saw it. We finally saw it for the first time. And? And you saw the video. <laughs> I was losing my, losing my mind. It was incredible. It was incredible. Um, and, and, again, people look at it and from a surfing perspective, I looked at that wave and thought it looks amazing, but I, I couldn't surf it. It would be way too fast. But I, like, how long were you out there for? It just I surfed for eight hours that day. Eight hours? Yeah. By yourself? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight hours by myself. Um and yeah, it was just ridiculous. Um, I was like, it was like a wave pool that was in the ocean. Yeah, it was. It was like I was sort of telling other people, like there was a couple of people on that trip that could surf. I was like, can you just come out and, and just sit with me? And, yeah. and they're like, nah, it's just you. And I was like, wow. okay. And I was missing waves, and I was just like, it was just like to see, you know, it was like. Every few couple of minutes, there was just like a, a five wave, you know, ruler edge, like things you just 
dream of yep. as a kid. Yep. Um, just all coming down and I was like, I, I had anxiety where I didn't want to take a, a bad wave, but then also I had way too much excitement that I was taking every wave. So <laughs> it was just, it was just nuts. It was, uh, it was a really, really fun, special day. And then um, woke up the next morning, had a quick surf and back on the plane. And that's it. That was it. And does the secret inside you want to burst forth? Like when you're being um, your alter ego, Eugene, and you've had 10 beers and your mates are saying, mate, where is it? Does it want to burst forth out of your mouth? No, nah, no. Nah, but it's locked in. A, yeah, it's, uh, I know I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to take my best friends there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, until, until I'm allowed to, I just have to keep it secret. So we've had, um, pretty much a year um, and you competed again on the Gold Coast only. So we're at Bells now. It's April. Um, it'll be a while till this episode gets to air. But you get home. How do you reflect before we go back into restarting? How do you reflect on the year? Like you said at the start, you weren't sure if you'd miss competition, if you'd get bored. How was a year to yourself? Um, yeah, I sort of... Just before I went to um, Norway and did the Northern Lights, I um, I had like a week to kill and I was just by myself um, and I actually went to Amsterdam, <laughs> all places, um, and I just walked around and, and did museums and, you know, went to a soccer game. And, did and you go just, to the Heineken Brewery or not? No, I didn't. Oh, fan no, Come on, No, man. I was sort of – I was – I didn't. I don't think I had one beer there right. in five days. Right. This is not uh, the McFanning no, we know and love. No, it was just. It was. I sort of put it as a time for me just to, yeah, as you said, reflect and, yep. um, and you know, I was sort of getting a lot of questions from um, from sponsors and stuff, going, okay, what do you want to do? And um, so it was a time for me just to just be by myself and just reflect on okay where do I want to go with all this and you know what do I want to do next year and um and I sort of I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was but I was just umming and ahhing a bit too much like should I go on tour should I not mm. you know and there were, I sort of felt like there was still something there so I thought well you know you've got the opportunity to go back on tour you know you can always um quit whenever you want if you feel like it mm. um and um and yeah so I made that decision then um even though I, you know just another secret I had to keep for another few months yeah yeah <laughs> but, right. um yeah but I made that decision then to um yeah go back on tour and um yeah it was I was just sort of just yeah I guess I realized that the year I had was just incredible um and, you know, a lot of me want to just keep going down that path. Mm. And, uh, but then, yeah, I, I didn't, if I didn't take up my spot on tour, then maybe there would have been questions that, um, that I would probably have for years to come. You what know? type of questions? I guess it's more about, you know, is that fire still there? Uh, is the, you know, um, I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just been, because I'm such a competitive little prick, mm. <laughs> mm. you know, is, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that was still there. 
back to Mick in a sec. Now, next week on the Howie Games, a man with many, and I mean many, many, many layers. His name is Sam Newman. Some will know him as the former VFL star, some as the star of the footy show. Many know him as a bloke that's seemingly always involved in some form of controversy. But Sam is probably much more than many of those descriptions. He's unique, no doubt about that, and by most measures, he's very successful. But Sam, as he tells us next week on the Howie Games, has had his fair share of hits along the way. But I was absolutely stone motherless broke. So I remember sitting in a friend's house. I stayed at the back of my great friend of 60 years, a man called Kevin King, dental technician. Yep. Stayed out in the back of his shop for a year. So you didn't have in a, a room? Like, didn't have a cent? Did not have a cent. Did, did not, could. I was on the world of sport and I used to, on Channel 7, I used to um, take the Ballantine's chocolates and the. Um, the cheese that they used to give it, then the Patra orange juice. I used to take that home. That was I used used to sustain myself on the freebies that I used to get from the world of sport. That's Sam Newman in next Thursday's episode of the Howie Games. Back to Mick. For a lot of us, if we took a year off, we sort of need to go back to work. But there's again, for those that are not in the surf industry, there's a lot of guys that travel around doing what they want in weird... You could spend the next five years of people taking photos of you surfing wherever you want and make a really good living, mate. So yeah. so it's not like you had to go back and compete. No, no, it wasn't wasn't at all. I um, I went back because it was my decision. It was right. no one else's decision and I didn't really, didn't really talk to anyone about it. Um, it was just, as I said, I was just by myself for about five days and, um, yeah, just, just sat with my thoughts and... Did some writing and, um, yeah, came up with the decision, all right, you're going back on tour for another year. <laughs> and now that you're back on tour, um, is it hard to go back to work? Um, yeah, look, I, I guess, you know, two events in and I've had my worst start ever to a year. Yeah. Um, I feel like that... Makes it tougher. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think... I think I, I just thought that I could come back and do the same things and get the same results. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready for, you know, my first few heats of the year, I feel like I'm just forcing it. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm not believing in the things that were working before. So... Yeah, after Margaret River, I got dead last <laughs> and um, I went home and, um, yeah, just had a good look in the mirror and um, just had to just had to change things. Um, you know, I, preparation's different, um, mindset's different. Um, it's like I'm a rookie again, which is uh, exciting. Is it going to be hard though, mate, when you know in the back of your mind as competitive as you are, uh, say things don't go well and you have a couple more shocking results, is it difficult to compete knowing, well, I can just pull the pin if uh, I need to? Which is seemingly what Kelly said for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he just kept winning. Yeah, he just kept going. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll just say I'll retire and yeah. I'll just start winning everything. No. Yeah, you know what I mean, mate? Yeah. Like there's, the, I, there's a release there valve is, if you is. need it, which you wouldn't have ever had before. Um, I wonder how that affects you competitively. Look, there, there were times, um, you know, I sat in a car park in in Margaret River mm. for four hours waiting for a heat, you know, waiting to see if the contest was on. And I was just like, what am I doing here? Why, you mm. know, I want to go and go surf some other waves or go and do something 
totally different. And yep. so th- there was there was a lot of things pulling on there, right? That, you know, at that point. But but yeah, look, um, you know, you, you get you get bad results, and you can either quit. And I think I think by quitting, I would hate myself because you know it. Mo, um, you've got to you got to just you know get through those tough moments. So then, when those good moments happen, you can appreciate them. And um, yeah, look, it's um, it, it's sort of good. It, it it's good to you know relearn a lot of things, relearn you know about yourself. And you know when you're traveling the world and you've got no schedule and all you have to do is just put on a wetsuit and paddle out mm. and try and get a photo here and there. It, <laughs> It's pretty damn easy. Yeah. Um, so. And nothing look, wrong with easy though. No. Nah, <laughs> yeah. But look, um, yeah, you can be easy when once you once that fire's burnt, burn out. Um, but yeah, look, I'm sort of, uh, I'm enjoying the challenge. Um, you know, I, I've I really enjoyed the the build up to getting myself. Because, you know, I wasn't match fit coming in, you know, say January, February. I wasn't match fit. My surfing was, my timing was out. I was probably still a little bit overweight. Um, And so it was exciting seeing that build up. Um, And then, yeah, and then jumping straight into, uh, jumping straight into events, I sort of felt like, oh, this isn't right. So, yeah, fully just down here at Bell's just changed it all up and um, if it works, it works. If not, I might have to look in the mirror again. Yeah, <laughs> Give right. myself an uppercut. Well, <laughs> mate, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about. Um, at the WSL Awards, uh, Tyler Wright spoke about you after she won her first world title. Um, just from things you hear and uh, I've heard that at the start of 2016 before she went on and won the world title, she was nowhere in a way mm-hmm. mentally with her surfing and you spent some time with her can you yeah. tell us about that yeah I was um obviously I was right there when um you know the whole island thing was and I could see it in her face like again like, for those that aren't aware her brother hit his head at pipeline and was he's in a really bad way and as things come around he comes and beats you at Quicksilver yeah. 2017 not too long ago wins his first event back so a bit of background for people that weren't aware of that story and Owen is obviously the, the brother of Tyler who's mm-hmm. now the world champ yeah um so yeah um yeah so I was right there when it all sort of happened and I could see in her face she was so scared and you know I just Gave her a hug and I was like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. You were there as you were on the beach? Uh, I was, we were in the house, you know, right. when the ambulance arrived and, you know, Owen was in a real bad way. And what, what's a bad way mean? Couldn't move. Right. He was, um, you know, and he was, I, it's the first time i ever seen him freaked out. Um, you know, he was really, you know, just just stressed with it all and, um, you know, he had all these people around him, you know, doctors that he's never met before. And What what actually happened? He, it was sort of, I think it was like shaken baby syndrome. Right. So he had his, he had, it was just brain trauma. Did he, did he hit his head on? Didn't hit his head. He just got shaken by, you know, 10, 15 foot wave of pipelines. So right. It's like getting hit by a Mack truck. Is it? Is, yeah, it is it? Is yeah. it that? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think they... They measured it before, like on storm surfers, and it was like hitting three or four Gs, you know, popping right. away that size. Um, 
so yeah, he copped that. And but then you know, as the story goes, he got him home, and you know, Owen sort of Tyler was the pretty much the sole carer for Owen, and um, she just dropped everything. And um, you know, her her coach Glenn Hall. You know, I, I'm really good friends with him and we were speaking a lot and, you know, I was just sort of, you know, is she doing okay? Just make sure that, you know, she needs some time by herself. And um, and I told him, look, there's really good waves coming at home. Let her know if she wants to come and stay, she can come and stay, you know. She can surf or she can just sit or just 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 let her know. And she, she took up the offer and she came up and we had... Um, yeah, amazing, amazing waves at home. And um, it was just, uh, we just took her surfing. And when she first walked through the door, she was, yeah, like she was lifeless pretty much. You know, mm. I could see she was just dead empty. Um, and so our our sole goal was to just get some colour back into her, get her laughing again, get her, get her super excited. And, um, yeah, we... You know, the waves helped that and then every night we would cook dinner at home and just talk stories and, um, yeah, it was um, it was a really, really sort of cool time, you know. I'd never really hung out with Tyler that much, you know, um, that closely. So it was really cool to, to hang out and, um, yeah, just to see her grow. Like when, when she jumped on the plane to go home, she's a totally different person. It was, it was awesome to see. And then to see her go and win a world title? Yeah, it was amazing, you know, when it, when it all happened. Um, yeah, like when she won the first event, you know, I had tears running down my cheek. And then when she won, I was actually talking to Owen a lot um, during that time via text. And, um, yeah, I started crying again. It was just really cool to see. A couple of quick ones before we wind it up, mate. Um, just your thoughts on a couple of quick ones. Uh you're paddling out into the water against who? Who is the hardest person to beat that you've surfed against? And you've surfed against Irons and Slater and Taj and John John and Medina. Mm-hmm. You've, you've surfed again uh, across a few generations now because you're an old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Who's the one you don't want to surf against? Um, I wouldn't say I don't want to surf against anyone. I, I, I love, you know, the harder the competitor, the better. Okay, so who's the hardest competitor? Um, for me, personally, it's it's probably Parker. Parker. Yeah, just because we know each other so well, um, we know each other's game plan. We know, you know, you see each other on a wave, and you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, even bef- mm. as they're paddling in, it's like, okay, this is going to be that score, um, and so. You know, I think in all the all the mental, emotional build up with that, um, yeah, he's he's the guy that was always hardest for me. I, I I had a mental block with him for years. I couldn't beat him. Right. And yeah, he did uh, used to beat you a bit. Yeah, all the time. And then and then yeah, I got one win over him and um yeah, it sort of just broke down all those barriers. But yeah, he's probably that he's He's my favourite person to surf against. Right. Yeah. Ke- Kelly Slater is arguably, not arguably, he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. And as a sports journalist, I compare him to the likes of Jordan and, and Tiger and and these guys because he's done it 11 times over 20-odd years. What is it like to compete against 
one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen. Do you um, think he is one of the greatest athletes? Yeah, wet? for sure. Right, for sure. Who can be, who can be forty five and still winning? Yeah, elite events. You know. Yeah, golfers. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, you're right. You know, you can't see you can't see a forty five year old jump on the tennis court and no. beat, you know, the Joker or Nadal or no. Feds. Um, so why is he so good? He's just. I think he's just a just a. A freak, is he? Yeah, um, he has this. He has this desire to win everything tenfold over anyone I've ever met. We're not just surfing, anything. Anything, really. He wants to win a conversation <laughs> about chocolate. <laughs> you, know, you know, and you know he he's just yeah everything. Um, he's seriously. The most competitive human ever, um, and that's what's got him through. You know, you see, like he was, he was forty-five years old. Like there's young kids just starting to do full rotation aerials, and he's doing them at forty. Yeah, he, you know, <laughs> it, it's just it's mind-boggling how how crazy that is. Um, and that's just his competitive streak. Like you, you see him out in the water, and even if it's just free surfing, if someone gets a good wave, he loses. Like he's just, I'm getting the next best wave, and I'm going to de- destroy it just to one up you. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy. And can you hang out and enjoy a bloke like that? You know, you both have been competing against each other what fifteen years? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I guess. Away from surfing, I'm, I'm sort of pretty relaxed. But yeah, look, we can hang out. Um, you know, I just don't, just don't play games with him. Right. Yeah. Not even marbles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wave pools. Um, I got to surf his wave pool, and it was amazing. What's the takeoff like? Like, could a kook like me take off on that? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a nice, easy takeoff, and then, and then, like, you know, you'd just barrels for, you know, we're getting 40-second tubes. It, it was just, incredible. It, it looks incredible. incredible it, it, is yeah. it – do you want to see competitions in wave pools at some stage on the WSL? Look, I, for me, um, I I feel like it's more ocean, man against the ocean yeah. versus competitor. Um, that's for, you know, tour events. As for specialty events, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, um, what about um, what about the Olympics? That's that's one I think it, it should be. It makes complete sense yeah, to me. Yeah. You're in Japan in the summer. You're not going to get that good waves. No. You know the surfing gold medal final can be at eight thirty on Sunday night, and it's happening. To yeah. me, that makes complete sense, mate. No, it's um, Japan summertime uh, isn't the best for waves anyway. No, which is not um, going to show the sport no. in in a good light to a massive new audience. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Look, I, I would love to see the Olympics in a wave pool. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that the guys are working really hard. You know, Kelly and his team are working really hard to, um, to you know, change it up a bit um, so it's really competitive um, and it offers up a whole bunch of different things on the wave. Um, so, you know, it'd be incredible. Yeah. You know, it'd be – I think it's sort of almost like – you know, you'd be able to... It's like skaters have a half pipe. You know, 
you know, you can plan your run. That's right. You know, you can have Philippe Toledo saying, okay, he's going <laughs> to he's gonna take off, he's going to do a huge alley-oop into the tube and then come out and do a full rotation air yeah. and finish off with a snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, snowboarders do it the same. Yeah, they you know, do. They have their planned runs and it would be incredible um, and it'd be awesome to see how how close that surfers could get to doing that and then also executing, but also how they'll change it up. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, when I went surfed, I just went for the barrel the whole time. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even try yep. to turn, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Um, as a triple world champ, if you don't win another one, is that enough? Are you talking yep. about Mr. Competition? No, um, That's yeah, it's, uh, I didn't, I didn't come back to, to win a world title. I came back to, um, surf the way I wanted to surf. Right. Um, and if I do that, then I'm happy. If world title comes over, awesome. If it doesn't, I'm, I'm happy. Before we get to the very end, yeah, you, you faced the big question from the uh, big penguin earlier on. Yeah. Um, and I thought you got pretty well through that. You didn't try to lie because everyone whistles in their wetsuit. Uh, <laughs> this is now from the pickle, who is seven and is finally starting to get a bit of confidence out in the water. She's starting to enjoy herself. She was carving up Ocean Grove yesterday. Nice. Fano Pickle here. I've never caught a barrel in my life, and that sucks. <laughs> what was the best barrel you caught in your life? And that is not an easy question to answer, I wouldn't have thought. No. Um, best barrel ever. Best barrel ever. Um, they're all so different. Mm. Um, uh, I guess, look, probably the most... I can't really just pick one barrel mm-hmm. um i can pick a day and that a was day. that day was at the snake was it yeah oh now you're rubbing yeah. it in the <laughs> secret snaky way right yeah <laughs> Mate, sorry um okay we've got to the end of this um and i sort of said at the start that you know I, I thought it was cool that you took a year off people listening to this um thinking um maybe i should toss it in for a year what would you say to them um yeah look if if it's I would sort of look at it as you're always going to be okay, you know. Um, you know, if you take a year off um, and go and do something or, you know, you need to change jobs or, you know, I think I think if you listen to your heart, your heart knows where it's going. And um, I think in, in the world today it might not be, you know, giant castles or whatever, but. I always feel like you're always going to be okay. So um, as long as you think positive and you follow your heart, I think you're going to land on your feet. And last question, mate. The first time I ever dealt with you, I was working at seven years ago. It would have been Anzac Day. Um, I reckon the semifinals, the Rip Curl Pro were at Johanna. Mm -hmm. Um, You got knocked out in the semifinal, I think. It's a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was quarter to eight in the morning. And I remember seeing you with a Australian flag wrapped around your shoulders, and you were having a can. Yeah. And I reckon it was quarter eight in the morning. <laughs> it was. I don't know how old you were. You're probably uh, nineteen. I think that was. Um, when Parker was there. I reckon it was Parker and Andy in the final. Yep. And that year was two thousand and 
Three. It sounds about right. I would yeah, have been channel yeah. seven. So how old were you then? I was twenty-two. Right. I was thought yeah. at this stage, Jesus, yeah. this boat could go either way. Yeah. At the start of this year, you were made a, you were given an Order of Australia. Uh, Is it what? Officer of Australia. Officer of Australia. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mick. Sorry. Um, that's pretty cool. From that young bloke who's <laughs> drinking cans at quarter eight in the morning with the Aussie flag. Now you're an officer of Australia. I don't even know what that means, but it's. Yeah. Um, it means you've done something pretty special. Yeah, look, I, I guess, um, yeah, I, I probably would have went the same with you. That <laughs> yeah, it was going to go the other way. It had that feel about it. Yeah. Um, look, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, for me, I always try and stay real. Um, you know, we're humans. We're, we, you know, if we go and... You can't sit there and paint a pretty picture and you've got to be real. You've got to be honest and, um, yeah, that's sort of how I am. <laughs> Mate, I reckon uh, the whole aim of the Howie Games was trying to inspire the audience. I reckon people are going to listen to this. They're going to bloody quit their jobs on mass. They're going to be inspired. <laughs> Mate, I really appreciate your time. Mate, hope it all goes well from here on in, whatever that may be for you. Thanks very much, Howie. Appreciate it. Spot on, mate. Mick Fanning, absolute star. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Howie Guns. What would you give to be able to surf just half as well as Mick? Me? Yeah, I'd probably give up the big penguin, but anyway, that's another story. Thanks to MJ and all the team at Podcast One who are helping to take the Howie Games to a bigger audience. We really appreciate it. Until next Thursday, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try Listener